Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Uh, this is Tom, and you all know Show and Tell is that show where we bring on a cool guest to talk about something cool that they are working on. And today's cool guest is none other than Craig Campbell. And that cool thing that we're going to be talking about is good, strong hands. Welcome, Craig. Um, hi, Tom. How's it going? Thank you for having me on the show. We haven't talked in a while. No, we have not. I feel like it's it's this year, as everybody knows, it, it feels like three years smashed into one. <laughs> so, but anyway, it was funny, too, because I if there's one thing about Craig that I just appreciate so much is the hustle. All right. So Craig is <laughs> out there. If you all don't know, he's just like he's not waiting for people to come to him and say, hey, can you interview me? Or he's just go, he's going out there like, hey, Tom, I got this new cool RPG you need to talk to me about it. I'm like, Greg, I'm going to talk to you about this cool RPG. <laughs> so, Greg, keep it up, man. Uh, I will do so. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, with this being the first new game after a series of supplements, like I've, I, I've reached, like I pinged everybody. Like I was talking to all sorts of people like, okay, it's time to get eyes on this. Cause like the supplements kind of like you, you get some new people, but it's a lot of people that are just like they're supporters of the original game. They or they've bought capers since, and then so like they, you know people were picking up the supplements. But now it's like okay, new game time. And you have been very busy because this is NerdBurgerCon just happened, right? <laughs> yeah, a few weeks well, back. For, for somebody who doesn't, what was NerdBurgerCon? Well, we all know that COVID nineteen kind of came through and slaughtered all of our. Um, in-person conventions this year and um, you know Gen Con did an online thing and a few other uh, bigger cons went to an online format and a lot of little uh, kind of smaller groups of people just did little conventions and I thought well you know why not I've got a an active discord I've got you know some people that you know dig my games and dig indie games and so I organized a weekend long like Friday evening Saturday and Sunday Nerd Burger Con we had a hundred and some people we ran like 35 40 events um, and just had people come into the Discord and, uh, you know, used uh, the, the, the Discord channels to kind of send them out into, like, hey, you're all going over to this Zoom link and you're all going over to Hangouts here and just, you know, ran all, a bunch of games and we had giveaways and some of the stuff was streamed and yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, it, it sounded like you guys had a blast. So, but you have, so for those who don't know then, Craig Campbell, we've we said Craig Campbell, we've said Nerdburger, we've said a lot of different terms. But real quick, just for those who don't know, who's Craig Campbell and then what is, what is, what is Nerdburger Games? Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games, uh, the lead designer, I guess, too. Um, and I've done a bunch of, uh, freelancing for, for a lot of other companies i did quite a bit of wizard stuff and a, and a handful of other companies and there came a point um a few years back where i thought like i can make a game why not <laughs> so i created murders and acquisitions i put it on kickstarter it it funded well enough to publish um and then i just kept rolling uh and i created capers um which actually you know was nominated for some awards and won an award um did a bunch of supplements for that and some accessories and things to go with it created a uh, a small scale kind of gmless horror comedy game called die laughing uh and now we're on to good strong hands and so you know and then i you know i do the rounds on i'm you know i do podcasts and i have my own podcast and i you know show up on people's twitch streams to play and um all sorts of other things 
<laughs> yes. And I have, I definitely, I could say this. I have gotten to play Capers. I got to play it at a Catacon a few years ago, and it was a blast. And then also then some friends of mine decided to run a game of Die Laughing, just some one shot. We were, and it was just, so I've played a lot of Craig's <laughs> games, and they're pretty fun. So with that said, uh, you've got this new game, Good Strong Hands. So can you, what is, what is the elevator pitch for Good Strong Hands? It's a fantasy tabletop role-playing game where you are portraying uh, like fantastic creatures uh, and their human allies who are working to save your home world of reverie from destruction by this faceless malevolent thing, this entity of destruction and entropy that's known only as the void. This thing, it shows up in the world every few decades, every couple centuries, um, and tries to destroy the world. And heroes must rise to do that. So you are playing those heroes. And then, uh, so it's 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 kind of got a lot of fantasy and whimsy. Um, it's inspired by things like uh, the Neverending Story and Legend and Labyrinth. And there's so there's like you know the kind of lighthearted fantasy feel of those '80s and '90s movies. And then with a twist of the the void is constantly seeking to corrupt the heroes. So it's the best way for it to to do what it wants to do and destroy reveries to make sure the heroes can't fight it. So it's always working to corrupt you and you're always fighting against that as well. Yeah. It's looking at the, the, the material that you sent me, it's definitely, it looks a little different than some of the other games that you've made. And it says straight up, which you've already said, it's a darkly whimsical game and it does. It just, it looks, it looks fun and like, it really does embody a, a, a really fantasy element that is it's it's, just, it's really engaging um so what made you then want to decide like dark whimsy like what was <laughs> the what was the idea of like i need to make a game that is darkly whimsical <laughs> well it was like i always told myself like there's a billion fantasy games out there right there's like there's a fantasy game for everything you can think of um so i and i wasn't going to ever do a fantasy game that was just kind of a straight typical medieval swords and sorcery fantasy there's 200 of those mm -hmm. um and so if you want to play that type of game you can find the type of system you're looking for with the amount of world and you know the kind of flavor that you want so i was it was really just waiting on like until my brain clicked on an idea of like what could i make that was um maybe a little different from what's out there so this every one of my games is kind of like a personal challenge and you noted like the comment you made about um this looks a little different from other games. Well, like I, I feel personally like every one of my games is a little different. I'm one of those suckers that keeps inventing a new rule system rather than you know establishing a system to use over and over, um, because I like like delving into these different things and kind of challenging myself. And so the idea here was a fantasy game that's quick to prep for players and for GMs. Um, that doesn't rely upon a great deal of knowledge of a setting. Like you get to build the world as you play, as opposed to like having to know a whole bunch of uh, setting and lore um, in order to set the world the way you want it. Um, and then keep the you know keep the rule system um, fairly straightforward. And um, you know I was watching um, Legend, um, rewatched Legend, you know a few years ago, and I was like. You know, oh, these kinds of movies, like they have this kind of like ethereal whimsy, kind of they're real pretty. But then there's also this like dark thing that's underneath it, like particularly in Legend, there's darkness. You know, there's the um, the Tim Curry devil 
<laughs> in the in the makeup yes. and all that. And then, you know, uh, uh, Labyrinth has kind of a, a darkness underneath it. And um, the never-ending story, of course, has the, the nothing that is literally, like, that's, the void is the nothing. I mean, I just called it something else. Like, it's this faceless thing. Um, so I thought it was just an interesting dichotomy of keeping, like, this whimsical nature and humor, but also offsetting that with um having to deal with uh darkness and corruption and so you know that that works well narratively for uh you, you see this sort of thing in in horror movies and action movies where you can build the darkness and horror and then you have a light moment that kind of releases and then you can build the darkness and horror and then you have a light moment that releases or if you want to play very light you can mostly be light and whimsical and then just every so happen every so often have this moment of pathos and like, oh, right, this is we're like this isn't all um, puppy dogs and lollipops. Like we're we're saving a world from a thing that wants to destroy everything. Yes. Drama. Yes. Gotta have some gotta have some drama in these games. You set up like just reading through it and looking at um, the art, which I want to talk to. What I really got a strong vibe of Wrinkle in Time. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that all, but the these these um, 90s really whimsical children's books but then there was like yeah like you kind of said there's this prevalent darkness that's just in the background that's ever looming so it's it's really cool it's a theme that com- that comes up quite a lot i mean the grim fairy tales are perhaps the best example of those is that like oh here's like these wonderful stories that you can tell children about like people doing all these like kind of cutesy little things but there's like this really horrible thing that happens in there too <laughs> oh yes this old woman is now going to gobble you There's up actual yes. murder <laughs> <laughs> that's right um one of the other things that you did mention is the idea that players are creating the world with the game master and i love games like that microscope is one of my all-time favorite games um, so how does that work then at the table, this collaboration? Um, well, I approached it like like the, the game is so drawn from those movies. And like when you're watching, for example, The NeverEnding Story, you don't know anything about the world until Atreyu experiences it. So scene by scene, you're learning, oh, there's, there's this big rock biter monster, you know, this big uh, stone person. And then there's these other little characters and there's these different realms that he goes to and the sphinxes that he has to walk through. And like he's fighting for the... The, the the princess and so you're you're discovering these things as you go and i thought well that's just a perfect way to do it in in a game and there are many games out there that do it where they you just kind of invent it as you go um sometimes you can you can prepare some of the you know you, you might spend a little time setting the stage at the beginning but then i've also encouraged gms to ask specific questions to get players to help fill in gaps the player section talks about for example the different folk that you can play. There's not, you know, a three-page write-up about everything about that that folk. There's three sentences, and then the player in your game will decide what is a pixie like, what is pixie society like, what are, what are their what's their family structure like, do they have a religion, all that sort of thing. You can develop that, and and the idea behind having the players do that, it's built into the players to do that. The GM encourages it by asking questions to fill in gaps that won't affect the story in a, you know, like a a potentially problematic way um, that, you know, solves a problem for you or changes the story too much. But then it also, you're, you're, you're saving a world that you have created. The, The hope being that you are more invested in saving this world because you're not saving the world that I made for you. You're saving the world that you made 
for your group. I love those little like it's a it's a super above the table kind of meta trick to get your players to really buy into it. And I love I love stuff like that. Super cool. <laughs> and it, it means that I don't have to write a ton of story, which don't get <laughs> me wrong. There's there's some stuff in the game because I did uh, like the, the GM section has story schemes, which are basically like two page adventures. And each one has some things about the world, but it's it's not like super in depth. Like you can extrapolate and, and build upon it a lot yourself. It's just a lot of ideas and inspiration. For sure. And so there is, yes, it's you're creating a world, but I, this game definitely has a, a, a theme to it. Uh, so what are those you talk about some you've got some pre-built kind of uh, stories that you can use is that did i say that correctly yeah story i call them story schemes what's an example of one of those then oh boy let's see one of the one that one of the ones that saw a a fair bit of use in playtesting so people have heard about this one i'm not spoiling for those people but giving them a new one is there's one that's called nightmares abound where the characters arrive at a town where they discover that uh, everybody in the town is trapped in a nightmare and they're, they can't be woken up. And then, you know, every so often, like one person awakens and they see things and they, they freak out um, and the characters might get drawn into witnessing their own fears. And the characters ultimately have to figure out what it is that's causing this strange phenomena in the town, solve it, wake everybody up in the town, keep people from dying from, you know, from fright in their dreams and uh, kind of set things right. So it's like that's just one small battle against the void. The void, minions of the void have done something that's causing this to happen. So you need to solve it to save these people. Save the people from the void. <laughs> Perfect. I think that all good RPGs are definitely, they are dependent a lot of times on their art. And that can that can really drive the theme and what, the designer yourself is trying to evoke out of the players and the game masters playing the games. And this game has some very unique art that I, I love. And can you tell us a little bit about the, the art, the artist and how you all connected here? Well, I had, I had put out a call via Twitter and my discord and so forth to look for artists. I was looking for artists that had, you know, to to do fantasy work. Um, And at like, this was going to be one of these, uh, where I was going to be look, like sl- somewhat more detailed art than I've done in the past uh, for the books where the, I tend to have stuff that was a little more comic book looking because mm-hmm. I wanted to be like a little richer and a little more immersive. And I, I, I found an artist whose style I really liked. And then um, she was on board to do the whole thing. And then, and this was, you know, months and months ago and uh, her life, her whole situation changed at one point um, late last year. And she was like, I don't think I can do the book. And I was like, if you can't do the whole book, that's, I don't know. And so she gave me a bunch of suggestions of people that she knows kind of in the art and illustration world that are good with fantasy stuff. Um, and one of the people that she listed was Serena Malian, who is a Canadian artist who um, does some really lovely fantasy work, um, a few different styles. The stuff that she's doing for me is um, like, uh, it's acrylic gouache and uh, uh, watercolor with some, you know, kind of tidying up electronically and stuff. So it's, it's, it's all, it, you know, it's, it's actual hand painted kind of stuff rather than um, on the computer. And so there's a softness to it and there's, um, there's a storybook quality um, to a lot of the artwork. Um, but then, you know, also the game has like these little bits of darkness. So like we can, we can pepper little things into the, to the artwork that uh, like, here's whimsy, but then here's like something icky and dark. Uh, 
Yeah, for sure. I think it, it, I think you you kind of said something. It, there is a storybook quality, and I have young children, and we're reading them. We read them books all the time, and that does. Now that you say it, it does have that very whimsical, um, childlike fantasy vibe to it. But there's this in one image that is, it's almost looks like a, a fox person walking yeah. through this dark forest with a sword and a pixie at at their back and it's just they're looking around and it's very it's very ominous but the central characters there do have this color to them it's it, it's it's just really neat and engaging um yeah that's the twist the twisted forest with there's nothing there's eyes in the darkness everywhere yeah Ye- yellow eyes everywhere it's like, oh, look, this is such a fun looking, oh, look at this fox person in this area. Oh, wait a second. This is terrifying. Just, <laughs> no, for sure. It, but the other thing, yes, we talked about art, you know, and everything like that. But a lot of people want to know what the, the mechanical bits, what is this going to feel like at the table? So can you, what is the, what's the core mechanic here with good strong hands? Okay, well, the it's a fairly simple rule set. And so it's like one, it's one of those things like once you know how the rules work, you can there's not there's not a lot to learn, I guess is the point. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, every character has four core traits, which are body, uh, mind, charm and heart. And body and mind are kind of what they sound like. Charm is kind of your social side. It's your your charisma and personality. And then heart is the character's uh, inner fortitude, their their resilience. Um, and it's also their kind of force of will and the ability to utilize like simple magics and when you make a check you're going to be rolling uh your your traits are rated one to four four you know higher is better and you'll make a trait check against a target number of four five or six you'll roll a number of dice equal to whatever your rating is and try to get at least one die to hit that target number or better Uh, if you fail the check you, uh, you you fail at the task. The GM can introduce a uh, complication, but then you also mark. You make a mark on um, a skill track, and there's ten boxes in the skill track. And when you fill up all the the skill track, you advance your character. So you learn from failure. Ooh, okay. Which is not new. It's been used in other games. Yeah, I just blatantly stole it and put it into this one. Hey, you you gotta <laughs> you gotta steal what's good. I mean, that's why it's good. Uh, if you succeed with exactly one die, getting the the target number you succeed at the thing and you mark spirit and spirit is a currency that you can spend to gain different bonuses. So as you gain spirit, you'll be able to also spend it. And there's other ways to gain spirit as well. And then if you succeed with two or more successes, you do really well and you succeed at the, at the task, you gain a boon, which means you do it even better than normal. But because you are proving yourself to be so good at what you're doing and such a hero, the void notices you. So you mark on the shadow track. And if you fill up all the boxes on the shadow track, you gain a corruption. And once you gain too many corruptions and if you fill up the shadow track again, then your character falls to the void and becomes an agent of the void. And you hand your character sheet over to the GM. <laughs> I got real dark. I got real dark fast. <laughs> but you can. There are there is there there are rules in there to mitigate all of that. You can spend spirit to avoid marking shadow, so you can willfully resist um, falling. There are ways to bring yourself back. Like if you gain a corruption, there's ways to buy that corruption off and get rid of it. But for example, like if you want, if you gain a corruption and you decide later, well, I don't want to press my luck too much here. I'm going to buy that corruption off. You undergo some sort of quest. There's some sort of story element that takes place. 
and then you can get rid of the corruption, but now we permanently reduce your shadow track by two. Ah, okay. We fill in two boxes permanently. So now every, like you'll, you'll fall faster to the next corruption. <laughs> okay. But, no, you, I, but I, you get rid of the one you had. Yeah. And I also like the idea that you said that there is actual story elements and quests to remove that corruption. Uh, so it's not just the hope is that, you know, and I can't control how every group plays yeah. the game. The hope is that like anytime you do something significant like that for that's a character centric sort of thing is that there would be something involved. And it could be simply that the character like the player. I mean, as a GM myself personally, if you, Tom, said, um, you know, I haven't used my corruption for three game sessions because he's trying not my character's trying not to use it. I would be like, OK, that's good enough. You know, you've resisted the void. Uh, you re- okay. You've resisted using that power. So, if you want to buy it off, you can right now. Okay, that makes sense. You're you're at least you're you're working at the table, and it's it's you're building the story. Right. So perfect. The other thing you do talk about there being a a every a free form um, thematic magic system. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of good words there. Uh, magic to when I play games, magic is always one of those things that I feel like takes myself tom out of the game because i feel like a lot of times the rules just don't work for me just because they're either cumbersome or they feel tacked on so but what are you doing here in good strong hands for magic um well the the characters have talents that they have access to and some of those talents are magic um and they're specifically defined as being magic magical effects most of these creatures are magical in some way um and they have a realm of magic associated with them. So you might have a talent that um, allows you to manipulate the mind, you know, the thoughts of uh, of an adversary or an NPC. Um, and it would be in the thought realm. And, and, and the talent is identified that way. So, you know, thought is the realm of magic. So if you take that talent, now you also have access to um, performing minor magics in the thought realm. And the way minor magic works is that I don't define it. Um, it's not like rote spells that like, oh, this spell does this thing. That's what the big talent is for, the more powerful effect, right? Um, what happens is instead, you can think of anything that your character can do using a normal trait check. If you can think of a magical way to gain that same real-world, simple, physical, or mental, or, or social effect, then you can do it with magic. So, for example... You could, with your character, make a charm check to attempt to distract somebody. Um, you know, you could talk to them and get their get their focus on you, so that your your compatriot can do, you know, sneak around in the background and do something. Right? Make a charm check. They look at you. They they don't notice something. Um, so, if you had the thought realm um, talent, so you have minor magic for thought magic, um, you could instead make a heart check the same sort of way to use a magical effect like you fill their head with nonsense and they suddenly get confused um, or you get them to obsess about one particular phrase that they st- that for, for just a little while they just can't stop thinking this one thing because that's that's the thought that you put in their head um, and it does the same thing as a charm check would so it's it's more flavor um, okay. with neat little magical effects as opposed to like you're not going to be slinging fireballs or teleporting with minor magic, you're going to be doing things that the other traits could do, um, but you can kind of come come up with uh, 
interesting, evocative, little magical ways to do them because you're playing a little magical pixie or a fox person. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that, especially in the context of this game. It's not you're not necessarily taking your character out of it and doing something different. You're just doing it in a, a more flavorful way, like you said. Okay. Uh, the I wanted to also ask about the... You mentioned rules or guidelines for adjusting the rules to make it more friend, family-friendly to play. Okay. So, as uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my... My my daughters to play RPGs with me, and they they love them. We've played the we play the My Little Pony game all the time, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so, but so I, I see I, when I see a statement like this, I'm like, okay, maybe this is something I can play with my kids. So, what are these adjustments to the game? Well, you know, first of all, the the, the parents the, or the older siblings or or whomever can do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> to a relatively simple game. It's like you're not probably not you're probably not going to break anything in a game with a simple rule set like this. But the guidelines that I provide are um essentially you get rid of the corruptions and you get rid of the shadow track. Um when you succeed at a check with two or more successes instead of marking shadow, you give like you you reward the the younger player with something really cool. Like you, hey, you got more than one success. So now normally you would you know, for a failure, you mark skill. For one success, you mark spirit. For two or more successes, you mark one or the other, whichever one you want, your choice. Do you want to advance your character faster or do you want to have more spirit to spend on cool stuff? Um, and then, you know, just kind of uh, there, one of the things in the care in the game is like li- keeping track of your character's fe- fears. Um, so that can be as simple as, um, you know, just uh, tailoring if you're going to touch on the fears thing at all, you know, just tailoring it with the child, with the kid, to like make sure that you're not touching on like a legitimate fear of uh, the kids, yeah. mm-hmm. um, or you know what, throw the fears out entirely. You yeah. know, it, it, let the story be, let the game be more about you're playing these these fan- fantasy creatures that are running around. They're all friends. They're going to stop the monsters, and they're gonna they're gonna show they're gonna be uh, they're they're gonna be a team, and they're gonna help each other. And they're going to help their world. And you build the story to do that. And you don't worry about fears. Um, you just like let it be about you know knocking the monsters out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't have to. I don't have to have my my four year old asking me if the shadow is going to get her when I'm putting her to bed because we played a game. So right. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. All right. <laughs> so one of the things talking about that though as well. This game is it's a it's a smaller game. So there's not a whole lot to hack, like you said. But what was your um. What what made you decide to hey let me go ahead and include some some hacking rules to this game? Um, you mean as far as like you know, hacking? I guess as far as the the, the kid the yeah, family yeah, friendly ch- yeah changing the rules. Um, well, it just seemed like given that it was a you know it had a storybook quality to it and it had you know other than like the darkness stuff with the void um you know you could you could transform it pretty quickly pretty easily into something that's just like oh it's fun for kids and you play a pixie and um and i had playtesters who remarked like you know if i took out the you know the creepy void stuff this is like this is a game i play with my kids because it's like you know everybody they can roll d6s they can tell whether they got a high enough number there's no math yep. you know yeah um so it was it was a pretty quick jump to just say okay let's see what 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 would you need to do to this game to get rid of like the the elements that might um either frighten or you know frighten a child concern a parent or otherwise yeah. uh just overcomplicate things like a little more than 
than you want to see, you know, for, for, uh, for a younger audience, for younger players. Um, I think there's probably other things you can do with, with hacking it with like, I mean, you do have a currency. Anytime you have a currency in the game, you can probably come up with ways like, you know, spend two spirit to do this cool thing. Um, you know, or you can have, you know, story specific sorts of things. If spirit is kind of, you know, the embodiment of your character's ability to influence things and it's their resolve and, and, you know, kind of their, their force. Well, I don't want to say force of will, but yeah, it's the, it's their resolve. It's their, it's their spirit. It's like the thing that makes them um, heroes essentially. And like, you know, well, what can that be? Like if you were, if you find yourself um, fighting against the void in a realm where things are mutable, you know, where there's like, you know, things are morphing and changing and the void's trying to scare you and confuse you and everything. Well, maybe you can spend spirit to stop that from happening or spend spirit to manipulate um, the realm itself. There's, there's always opportunities for little things like that. Um, and, and, you know, I may, if, if this Kickstarter really rocks and rolls, um, I may hack, you know, I may, I may hack the game a little bit and just say, you know, throw a couple of pages of like, well, Hey, you could do this neat thing where, this this tweaks the rule a little bit this way in this sort of a situation. I've thought about the idea of what happens like what happens if your character gets killed and you want to play them as a ghost. Oh, that'd be cool. You know, like that that could be interesting. I would I I dig that. I'm all about ghost games. So what's, also, so what's the ghost version of their character like? What does being a ghost mean? Does that do something as far as your uh, talents go? Do you can you still do all those talents? Can what what happen? You're if you're a ghost and you're still you know floating around. How does that affect corruptions? Like, you know, are you closer to being corrupt and, and dark and nasty because you're dead? Well, if Capers tells us anything, Craig, this says this game sounds like it's rife for supplements as well. <laughs> so, so, so future Kickstarters. So the other thing people really want to know about is always the character creation, but also what kind of characters they're going to be playing at the table with this. So we t- you talk about how there's several different types of folk, and we don't need to go into detail on all of them. But what are some of the what does a character in good strong hands look like? Well, again, system is pretty straightforward. So you've got four traits, rated one to four. When you when you create a character, you've got nine points to spread out however you want. Um, and you'll pick fears. Um, you'll pick also what are called anchors, which are basically just role-playing guides. And playing your character according to your anchors can earn you spirit uh, as you play. Um, there's a there's a condition track, actually two. One that's emotional, and one that's physical, to deal with conditions to be to deal with your character being hurt or scared. And then there's talents and corruptions. Um, you start with a few talents that are core to the type of folk that you're playing. You know, like every pixie can do this thing. Um, and then there's corruptions, which um, they always cause you... Just using a corruption always causes you to mark shadow. The particularly nasty corruptions cause you to mark permanent shadow. Um, so you fill that box in permanently. So the next time you come through to fill the track up, there's less boxes to fill in because the you know corruption is a spiral into getting your character out of the game basically <laughs> oh no and so i mean it's it's fairly straightforward uh each of the each of the folk has their own playbook with they all have unique talents and corruptions so you'll uh you know if it the game plays best you know i would say probably with everybody playing a different different type of folk um, humans, I should remark, we, we talked about human allies, but those are humans from Earth. There are no humans oh. who are native 
to Reverie. So this is, you know, this is uh, Labyrinth. Okay. You know, where you travel, where the, the human character travels to the fantasy realm. Or, uh, you know, it's Bastion in NeverEnding Story who ends up riding Falcor at the end. So, yeah, the humans are, I think, the, the thing I like the most about about humans in there is they're not the majority. They're not imp- mm. the implied majority. They're, in fact, really kind of the implied minority, very much so. And they're a curiosity. Interesting. They're, 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 they're strange. They're weird. They're foreign. Okay. Yeah, no, that that's funny. The the I could just the 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 woodkin, which kind of is almost like a an ent or a groot or you know, um, walking up to a human and be like, "Oh man, you're strange looking." <laughs> <laughs> you don't have you don't have any like part like animal looking parts, or <laughs> you don't have a tail or wings or. Oh, that's so the you no. Know, so you you've got a bunch of different fantasy folk that are just. You typically don't see them, but the one that kind of really s- stuck with me, just because I know that my daughters are going to want to play one, is the the sylph. <laughs> right. The That's the I, I'm looking. At, it's it's just this this floating ethereal creature with a bow and a and a and a, and a white robe. What is it? What's a sylph? Uh, a sylph is an air spirit. Essentially, it's a all all of the folk have have uh, one of their core talents always has a choice to be made. There are variants, like, you know, sub-races, so to speak. Okay. Um, and for sylphs, their 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 choice is to choose between the four winds. Um, they're a sylph of the north wind, the south wind, east or the west. And they can produce an effect when they summon that wind that is kind of in, in keeping with what that wind is about. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're a little shorter than, than humans. They're very thin and lie. They fly inherently. They can always fly. Although they, uh, they do have a talent. You can take a talent that allows you, you can gift your flying ability to another character, but you lose the ability to fly for a time. So I tried to incorporate things that like actually would create story moments for the character. Like now this sylph who has flown their entire life decides, you know, takes this talent and then in this adventure gives their friend the ability to do the thing that they have taken for granted. But now they can't until they until they take their flight ability back. And so it creates a character moment. Like, how does that self react to no longer being able to fly, having to put feet on the ground all the time? I want I want that scene at my table, like immediately. <laughs> I can just see my players just absolutely hamming that up and getting so dramatic with it. It'd be fantastic. I I imagine it as Ariel when she first gets legs in um, the Little Mermaid when it's you know, knock kneed wobbly. Yep, <laughs> for sure. No, um, so we've talked. There's a lot of stuff about it, but now let's talk about the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So the Kickstarter itself is. So what are you looking to? obviously you're you're you 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 are well you're very experienced with kickstarter you've used it a bunch so what is the what's the goal here then for for good strong hands the the dollar goal the or the that i know it's it's still <laughs> out so that can be that that can obviously change leading up to it but um what do you want to accomplish then with the with the kickstarter here um well it's a few thousand dollars but um the 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 the, the hope with the kickstarter is to um like the the like like I've done with most of the games is like I've got the slimmest version of the game. Like here's if I if I trim it out down to this, this is a complete game. And so it doesn't have all the folk, it doesn't have all the story schemes. It's a thin book, right? Um that's your core funding goal to like make a game that's playable. 
and then stretch goals, fatten that up and add more stuff to it and um, hopefully make the game, you know, bigger and fat, you know, make the book, the book fatter. The, the hope is to get the, you know, this, this game completed out um, with uh, the higher level. There's, you know, there's a PDF level and then there's higher levels that gets you a hardcover book because I felt like it's a storybook and it needs to be a hardcover. And to start with, it's going to be like, it'll be a POD print on demand book kind of through drive through RPG. But if the game, if the Kickstarter does well enough, and I'm pretty confident that it, we, that we can do well enough with that, it'll go to being an offset print run. So it'll be like a nicer, sturdier book. That's like got a sewn binding, um, the, the it'll be richer color, you know, uh, nicer pages, nice, you know, uh, just a better looking cover. And then there's also going to be a like Kickstarter exclusive um, alternate cover for those people who want. Um, and that'll come like signed and I'll, you know, I'll write you a little messenger <laughs> that you can get a, like a fancy book that you won't be able uh, like, you know, a, 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 an exclusive, like a, a limited edition hardcover essentially that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Um, that won't be available to the public afterwards. We'll just print enough uh, for the backers that get that. I want to see this book as a hardcover, like a real nice hardcover so badly. Just looking at the art, it deserves it. Like it really does. <laughs> so then, so we've got, um, is that with the, the exclusive hardcover, would that just be like an exclusive art or would it be almost like a faux leather? I know all that thing is kind of like, what are you, what, what are you imagining then for a, an ex- Kickstarter exclusive cover? I am imagining um, foil stamped leatherette with an alternate design. For the cover um so it's so fancy it won't be it won't be the uh the cover art that is you know that will go on the i guess trade edition you can call it but you'll get that artwork in your pdf anyway um but then yeah so it'll be like a we're i'm, I'm actually like literally today i was in contact with my graphic designer figuring out um what this uh design is going to look like and and checking with uh now i have to check with the the offset printer that I'm getting quotes from to see if they can do that detail level for foil stamping, because there's, there's, there's probably, I don't know for sure. It's the first time I've dealt with it. So there's probably an upper limit to how detailed and how thin the lines can be and things like that for, mm-hmm. for stamping. So we'll find out. <laughs> Absolutely. So then uh, with the, with the Kickstarter coming up, um, we're, we're hoping everybody, this should be in your podcast feed. Um, while the Kickstarter is going on now, and we'll have all those links in the show notes and everything. Uh, but is there really, is there anything else that you, you want to talk about for the, the Kickstarter that you think that everybody really needs to know? I'm, I'm considering, you, you cannot hold me to this. Because okay. as we're talking about this, as you're listening to this right now, the Kickstarter is, uh, is underway. Yes. Um, and so I don't know. I have no idea how well it's doing. So we may not be anywhere close <laughs> to doing something like this. But one of the things I was thinking about was, well, one of the things I know I want to do is have the PDF be like checked and rechecked and, and kind of formatted in such a way that it's very visually accessible. Mm-hmm. And which is to say to make sure that, you know, every type of screen reader that people will use to, uh, to read the screen or to, to get the, you know, uh, screen to voice apps to work that it'll definitely be all readable mm-hmm. and what i was thinking about too is i I've, I've heard people talk about this here and there and i think it just for this type of a game for a storybook ish game it would be interesting to have an audio version of the game which is to say yeah. we're just going to read the book from front to back we'll kind of tweak a little bit of what has to be said in order to 
kind of get the point across. Because the game's not filled with stat blocks. Yeah. Um, it's not filled with a lot of stuff that would just get really repetitive and boring to listen to and, and would be kind of weird to, to, be, to keep saying. Uh, it's not a terribly huge game. Um, so like it could be, you could read it, you know, you could, it could be, a, you know, two or three hours worth of, and I know there are a lot of people that like sitting down, like people learn games, learn in general, but learn games in different ways. And some people like they can absorb a rule book and figure the game out. Um, some people, they want to see the game played. Some people um, would, uh, would want the game explained to them by somebody. And some people I've, I've seen people saying like, you know, like if somebody were to just read <laughs> the rules to me, rather than have me having to sit there and stare at the screen because I like it gives me a headache to stare at a screen mm-hmm. for too long or something like that, then maybe maybe that's something we can do. Yeah, we will definitely not hold you to that because that is a tremendous task. I've seen several other RPG designers starting to go down that route and just li- listening to them. It's something that's super cool, but like you kind of said. It's a lot of work. Well, if if it if it happened, it would be. It's. I'll be. I'll be honest with this. It's not going to be like this high end professional mm-hmm. sort of thing. The game is simple enough. It would be like literally we like every every subsection of the game would have its own file. So you could almost look at the list of files like an index. Okay. Oh, I want to learn. You know, here's the section on making a trait check, and it's like it takes two minutes to read or listen to. Right. So it so that you could like just, you know, grab everything and just listen to the book from the beginning or you could, you know, do it in whatever pieces you want to like. I want to read the rules first. <laughs> I want to listen to the rules first. So, yeah, like the there there are there are things out there that there are apps and and different types of formats that you can do that like allow you to bookmark stuff and that like is really complex and like having a music underneath and having a professional reader who uh uh, can affect voices and character like in in novels and stuff that like that that I don't know that that's needed for a game that's gonna you can read it in two hours like this go. this isn't a magnum opus <laughs> that you need to be immersed in this story because it's not telling you a story really it's giving you the tools to tell your own story so that's what you say until <laughs> until we hit all the stretch goals on Kickstarter <laughs> and this book becomes so massive. <laughs> No. We'll see. <laughs> we can hope. No, so, uh, Greg, uh, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Good Strong Hands. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. It is, and uh, it's, it's too bad that it takes so long for, for me to get in touch with uh, some people like you, Tom. Um, I hadn't, you know, I haven't been to a catacon for a couple of years, and then this year, um, everything, you know, blew up. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So for anybody who wants to find out more about you, where can we find you on Twitter, social media? I'm at NerdBurgerCraig on, on Twitter. Um, if you go to the, the website is NerdBurgerGames.com. Um, there are links there to, uh, to a Discord, um, which we've got a nice little community of people that like to talk about my games and other games and other geeky stuff. And uh, you can generally find uh, my games... Either there's a store on the website, which will all allow you to get um, any of the main game books, including the Capers super nice hardcover that we did a offset print run for a while back, the deluxe hardcover, as it's called. Um, but then there's also drive through RPG, um, so you can get PDFs and, and print-on-demand stuff there as well. But that said, uh, while the Kickstarter is going on, check the Kickstarter first, because if you're going to back the game, there are add-ons to get all that other sort of stuff, and many of them are um, 
our, our uh, rebate or at, you know, at a rebate, there's a, they're, they're cheap. Okay. They're cheaper. <laughs> so okay, if you want, sure. if you want to, as the web page, as the Kickstarter page says, explore our other worlds. Yes. <laughs> add-ons. Everybody loves add-ons. Okay. Your pledge just gets bigger and bigger. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but with that all said, uh, we're going to, we're going to close it out there. Like I said, Craig, it was a really good to talk to you. Um, listeners, please go check out Good Strong Hands. Uh, you will definitely find it in our social media links and we will put everything in the show notes. So check them out so this has been tom and once again i've been joined by craig campbell of nerdburger games we've been talking about good strong hands and don't forget if you're having fun you're doing it right you're doing it so right thank you folks (laughs) thanks for listening to the rpg academy podcast we do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook or join our Discord where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.